woman and her ever-negative husband went on a vacation in Jerusalem, and while they were there, her husband passed away. The undertaker told the wife, you can have him buried here in the Holy Land for $150. We can have him shipped back home for $5,000. The wife thought about it and told the undertaker she would have him shipped back home. The undertaker asked her, why would you spend $5,000 to have him shipped home when you can have a beautiful burial here in the Holy Land that only cost $150? The wife replied, long ago, a man died here, was buried here, and three days later, he rose from the dead, and I just can't take that chance. All the women say amen. I'm going to preach to you on the third day miracle. Everybody say the third day miracle. On the first third day, the first third day, Genesis records the account that the earth brought forth vegetation yielding seed over a cold and dead earth trees bearing fruit. The Bible said that God saw it and it was good and the progression began and the evening, everybody say the evening, and the morning were the first day. In our progression, we think that morning should be first and that evening should come. But in God's economy, the evening comes first and then the morning comes. And then we read in John's account when Jesus responded to those Pharisees there, he said, destroy this temple in three days and I will raise it up again. And the Bible said that he was raised from the dead and his disciples remembered that. It was a miracle on the third day. We just celebrated a couple of nights ago our first Good Friday service. And man, did we have a good time on Good Friday. Somebody said that we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. Why is it good? I'll tell you why it's good. It's because it should have been, it should have been us that was on that cross. But instead of us, Christ became our substitute. Christ became our savior and Christ became our sacrifice. The Bible said that we look unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and he despised the shame and he is seated at the right hand of God. What joy, you might ask, I'll tell you what joy, the joy that we're enjoying on this Sunday morning. He endured the cross because of the joy that you and I are enjoying right now. Tomorrow's joy, joy in a thousand tomorrows and a never ending night, the joy of right now. Somebody shout now. 
Weeping happens in the nighttime. Death and hell happen in the nighttime. The grave is a nighttime event. But the songwriter said this, in that great getting up morning, in that great getting up morning, there's coming a morning in a land where there'll be no nighttime. There'll be no sadness. There'll be no sickness and there'll be no disease in that great getting up morning. Somebody shout amen. When we were dead in trespasses and in sin, the Bible says that Christ has made us alive and he has raised us up. Look at somebody beside you say he's raising us up. He raised us up to sit with him in heavenly places. I want to tell somebody that is sitting here this morning, this resurrection concept, it was a God idea. Somebody says it's a God's idea. It was God's plan. It was God's idea. It was his divine orchestra, if you plan, to raise us up and sit with him in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it was not God's design to leave you in death, to leave you in hell, to leave you in destruction. No, 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 a thousand times no. The plan of God has always been and is today to raise you up and sit with him in heavenly places. It was a God idea. We hear this word again and again, this word called disruption. It is market disruption. It is disruption in technology. It is disruption in society. I, I want to tell you a new truth to add with that. And it is that Jesus has been disrupting death. Did you get it? I said Jesus has been disrupting death. For a long, long time, Jesus is a disruptor of death. God begins this whole thing with a great earthquake. I want to tell you, Easter should be loud. Easter should be bombastic. Easter should be powerful. Easter should be grave shattering. Easter started with a great earthquake. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is a death stealer. He's a hell wrecker. He's a devil binder. He's a life raiser. I want to tell you, this Jesus that we serve raises the dead. And that's why we can join our voice with the biblical writer when he says, oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, where is your sting? Jesus can wreck a funeral home. Jesus can put Salus brothers out of business. Jesus can put Lakewood out of business. How do you know that? Because he's been stopping funerals for a long time. Open up your Bible and read about it in, in Luke 
chapter seven and verse 11, he just tells the pallbearers and the funeral directors, just go on home. There's not gonna be a funeral procession today. If you're gonna prepare a meal, you need to prepare it for a celebration. Because the Bible says that Jesus just stops the funeral and he tells the pallbearers, go ahead and put the casket down. And he says to the young man that was dead, I say unto you, arise. And the Bible said that the dead man sat up and began to speak. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus has the keys to death, hell, and the grave. You ought to shout about it. You ought to be excited about it. That Jesus is a death disruptor. Somebody say he did it once and he can do it again. It didn't happen just one time in the Bible. It happened again. There was another little girl named uh, Jairus' daughter and they were weeping and they were mourning and Jesus said, don't weep. She is not dead, but she is asleep and they laughed at Jesus. I wanna tell you this morning that God has the last laugh. And the Bible said that he took her by the hand and he picked her up and he said, child, arise. And what was dead and lifeless and hopeless, when Jesus steps on the scene, dead things live. I want, I, if you don't get anything else, I want you to get that. When Jesus steps on the scene, the funeral is over. Dead things live. What looks hopeless, what looks lifeless, what looks despondent, when Jesus is on the scene, you're gonna live, you're gonna have life and life more abundantly. That was the second time. Everybody say second time. He only did it three times. He did it once. He stopped the funeral procession and then he did it a second time with Jerry's daughter and then he did it a third time. There's that number three times. Somebody say three times. And then Lazarus, Lazarus was dead. His friend was dead and he had been in the tomb for, for, for a long time, so long that they said, Lord, that's not gonna smell good. Aren't you glad that God's not afraid of your mess? You say, my stuff stinks. God's not afraid of the stuff in your life that stinks. Come on, somebody, that's good. Lazarus been in the tomb and they said that they, they made this comment to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, I wanna tell somebody we all have those moments that we say, Lord, if you would have just been here, everything would have been all right. Lord, if you would have been here, my marriage would have made it out of trouble. Lord, if you would have been here, my family would have been saved. Lord, if you would have been here, that would not have died. And Jesus steps on the scene and said, I am. <laughs> I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he yet shall live. A stone is rolled away. A prayer is prayed. A voice is lifted. Lazarus, come forth. 
And when Jesus speaks, death has to lose its grip. The pain of sorrow has to let go. Disappointment turns into deliverance. Now watch this. Three funerals, three deaths, three lifeless and hopeless situations, three times of death. There's something miraculous about the third day. And in our scripture text, in Genesis, it was the first third day. The Bible said, over that earth, all of a sudden, this resurrection idea, I want you to see it from the Old Testament to the New Testament. This resurrection idea, the Lord hovers over the earth that is dead and lifeless, but all of a sudden, seeds and trees start to spring up coming out of that. And, and then again, the Bible talks about Jonah three days and three nights in the belly of the well, the son of man, three days in the earth. Abraham offered up Isaac. It was on the third day and Isaac was spared because there's something powerful about the third day. And then Hosea said, after two days, he will revive us. But on the third day, he will raise us up. Jesus said, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up again. Ladies and gentlemen, you can celebrate on this Easter Sunday because Jesus has all power in heaven and in earth and is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Oh, clap your hands this morning. Somebody say, he's alive. He's alive. The Bible tells us these things. This resurrection thing was God's idea in 1 Corinthians. The Bible said that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that he rose on the third day according to the scriptures. I want to tell you, I'm not preaching an idea that just comes off the top of my mind. I'm, I'm preaching what the Bible says. In repentance, we identify with his death. In baptism, we identify with his burial. And in spirit infilling, the, Holy, the Bible talks about two things, Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. In Holy Ghost baptism and Holy Spirit baptism, we identify with the resurrection power. I'm gonna tell you, that's what I feel in this building right now. That's what I feel when I step to this pulpit. And I know y'all look so good and you got all your new swag and you got all your new threads on and you look all dapper and that's great. But I wanna tell you, there's resurrection power that is in this service this morning. There's life-changing power that is in this service this morning. I said there's resurrection, life-changing, hell-shaking, grave-opening power in this service today. Somebody shout amen. amen. Paul wrote this letter. They wanted to talk about all kinds of things. That early church in 1 Corinthians, they, they wanted to talk. Let's talk about fornication. That's juicy. I mean, read your Bible. It's in there. I'm not making it up. You, you go read your Bible. Fornication and contention and marriage problems and unmarried men and women. So people say, I, I just don't like the church these days. I'm going to tell you, you wouldn't have made it in Paul's church. 
Don't be so critical of the church today. You should go back and read history and look at that Corinthian church. They had problems. Food to idols, abusing the Lord's Supper, abusing spiritual gifts. And while they were fussing and fighting, Paul just navigates them through all of that. They talked about all the fussing and fighting and then he said, okay, 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 stop all that. I'm gonna tell you what really matters. And don't you forget what I'm gonna say to you. And he said in 1 Corinthians 15 and two, he said, now don't you forget it. You, he, he said, keep it in memory. Somebody say, keep it in memory. Keep it in memory what I preached to you. Unless you have believed in vain. Somebody shout first. First that I have delivered unto you that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And he was buried and rose again on the third day. According to the scriptures, I want to submit to you that the best news I can give to you on this Easter Sunday is that Christ has died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. Whether you're sown in corruption, you're raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, and you're, ra you're raised in honor. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Sown in a natural body, raised in a spiritual body. The first man, Adam, was a living soul, but the last Adam is gonna be made a quickening spirit. You say, well, I just, I don't believe all that. That's fine, there's room for you too. You're not the first one that didn't believe it. Well, I just don't know. I'm just here to hang out. That's fine. There were people in the Bible that doubted before you. There's room for you too. If you're in denial and doubt and discourage, I would submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, another biblical character that saw more than you've seen and still doubted. His name was Thomas, and he was not with them when Jesus came. It's in John chapter 20, verse 24. I'm thinking, okay, okay, you've seen all these miracles. You've seen the crucifixion. You've seen the power of God. You've seen Jesus feed the 5,000. Where are you, Thomas? Bible said he wasn't there. He must have been at the taco trucks. <laughs> probably having lamb kebabs. Probably went in the taco trucks. Where are you, Thomas? You're getting a custom robe. The Bible said he wasn't there. And Thomas said, unless I see in his hands and the mark of the nails and I place my finger into the nails. And he said this. He said, I will never Believe it. I can't even believe that's in the Bible. Jesus told him again and again, you're gonna destroy, they're gonna persecute me, they're gonna hang me on a tree and I'm gonna rise again. And Thomas still did not believe it. The Bible says so. And then the Bible says eight days later, eight days. Now think about that, eight days. Somebody say eight days. Eight days later, for eight days, Thomas is thinking, I missed my chance. It's too late for me. I'm never gonna get an opportunity to see him. And for eight days, 
He doubted. He was afraid. He did not believe. But guess what? At the end of eight days, the doors being locked, Jesus comes to the locked door and said, Thomas, reach into my side. Touch my hands and see that I have risen. And what's the truth behind this? I'll tell you. When you can't go to where God is, God will come to where you are. You say, that's too good to be true. I want to tell you, you may not know how to get to God. The doors may be locked in your faith, in your belief system. You don't know how it's going to work out. I tell you that if you can't get to God, God will come to you. God will overcome your fears and your doubts. God will speak peace in the midst of peril. The God that raises the dead will come and get you through, everybody say through the locked doors, barricaded windows. I'm almost done. I tell you, this is the best 90 minutes you're gonna spend all year. You've heard, you've heard so many preaching through those songs. I'm so glad we're singing songs about Jesus' name. I'm glad, there, I'm glad there's somebody that's still not afraid to mention Jesus' name. I'm glad we're singing songs about the blood. People say, well, when we pray, we need to pray in the many names of God. No, there's only one name. There's only one name we pray in. There's only one. Come on, some, you better help me or I'm gonna preach a long time. There's only one name given among men whereby we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus Christ that raises us from the dead. The question I have to you as I make a few closing comments is why did Jesus still have scars? That's, that's a mystery to me. Jesus could have resurrected any kind of body that he wanted. He could have come back completely whole and perfect and yet still there's a personal invitation for you and I and Thomas to touch the scars. He chose the one unmistakable thing that everyone could clearly recognize, scars in my hands and a piercing in my side. And it's, I, I believe it's this reason, that scars are a reminder that God turns pain into a promise. And maybe I'm, I'm preaching to somebody on this Lord's Day that <clears throat> there have been things that have happened in your life that have been difficult, that are painful, that have been problematic, that have been a part of you a long time. I want to tell you, Jesus didn't do away with his scars, but he turned those scars into a promise. I don't have better news to tell you than this. 
in a world that is dark and dismal and hopeless. I, I don't know how, if you, if you read or watch the news, I, I, don't, I don't even know how you do it. I don't even want to read and watch the news because every day it's dark. Every day it's death. Every day it's someone that's being shot somewhere and, and it's tragedies and it's atrocious. But I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to submit something to you. That in this world, it's never going to be heaven on earth until the millennial reign. You can pass, and we should, you can pass all the reform that you want to. But this world, this earth, it's never going to be heaven. But there is coming a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth will be passed away. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. And behold, I make all things new. Musicians and singers are coming. And Paul told us in that majestic book of Romans, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. The best news that I can submit to this great congregation today is that you don't have to believe the bad news. You don't have to believe that your life is over and that it's in vain and you don't have a purpose. There is resurrection power here today. Transformational power to save you, to set you free, to pull you out of the grave clothes just like Lazarus, just like Jairus' daughter, just like the funeral procession that Jesus stopped. It's a third day miracle. Why don't you let today be your third day miracle? I'm gonna be really candid with you. Are you listening? Why are you preaching like that? Why are you, why are you doing everything? Why are you preaching with passion? I'm gonna tell you why. Because some of you won't be here next Easter. I prayed about it today. I know some of you won't be here next Easter. And you do not have to live another year without life and hope and joy. You do not have to live on the news cycle of death and destruction every single Listen, you'd do yourself a favor if you'd get off the news and open up your Bible. So that's not a popular Easter message. It's true. It's true. Why? I'm going to tell you, there's good news. I don't, and, and good news doesn't sell like bad news. Bad news sells newspaper. That's why they're full of bad news. I came to tell you there's good news. That on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead, victorious over death hell and the grave and because he rose you can rise too let's stand together all across this building
If it's appropriate, I want you to pray with somebody next to you if it's appropriate right now. And I'm mindful of the time, but I'm also mindful of eternity. I'm mindful of eternity. I'm believing God that God wants to raise you up and sit with him in heavenly places. I'm believing that you're going to receive the greatest message of hope that the world has ever seen and that is that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He is, he is not dead. He is not in the tomb. It is not over for my life. And I may have doubts. I may have, I may have struggles. I may have insecurities. I, I may be locked up. But Jesus will come to where I am. And he is saying to somebody, touch me today. Put your hands in my hands. Put your hand in my side and believe again that I am alive. I want you to raise your hands all across this sanctuary for just a couple of moments as the Spirit of the Lord is, the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Maybe there's somebody here that's saying, I feel like my life is over. I feel like I'm a waste. I feel like I'm better off dead. I, I feel like I want to end it all. I feel like I want to throw it all away. I want to tell you, no, 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 no. There is hope for you and me. There is a life-giving, a resurrection power that is still at work in the earth. Come on, raise your hands right now. I'm getting ready to open this altar. They're gonna sing. If you're here this morning and you want us to pray with you, the pulpit staff is coming. You want to come down to this altar. You want to be baptized. We got people ready. What a great Easter to be baptized in the name of the Lord. What a great Easter to come up in resurrection power. People are coming. People are coming. There's a family of people down here. Pulpit staff, I need you to come. Our ministers, our altar workers are coming.